Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original in the order of release. Today is our 200th episode or our 200th Netflix original film. It's the 2019 vigilante action thriller Six Underground. It's directed by Michael Bay and it stars Ryan Reynolds, Melanie Loren, Manuel Garcia Ruflo, Adria Adrano, Corey Hawkins, Ben Hardy and Dave Franco. I'm Jesse and I'm here with MJ. How are you? I am very well. I'm very excited to be here. And I don't want to get too excited because we are going to do a special episode next week where we discuss the first 200 Netflix original films. But it is, it is a pretty cool achievement. Um, and I, 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 can't, I can't not congratulate you on everything that you've done to, to, to carry this through and bring this to life. It's been wonderful. And yeah, who would have thought we'd be here 200 episodes later? Yeah, and you know, it's not the. It wouldn't be the same if I was just doing this by myself. So, uh, all the people that have come on at some stage, especially you, MJ, has been here for ninety five percent of the time. Uh, we've had a lot of fun doing this, I think, and uh, you know, we we love movies, we love talking about it. So it's it's been good to to check out some a lot of stuff that we probably never ever would have seen ever. <laughs> That's the beauty of it too. I watch movies now that we're obviously not doing on the podcast and I'm just like, man, I, I need to talk for 45 minutes about this movie <laughs> with someone. So it is, it is nice to have this platform to do that. Yeah. And this is, this is one of those ones I think where I, I wanted to see it when it came out and it sort of sat yeah, there for so a couple of years and uh, we're ready to talk about six underground. Uh, six let's, underground. let's start off with our fast weeks. What's this film about? Yeah. I'm the same. I knew nothing about this movie apart from the fact that it was, Michael Bay and Ryan Reynolds. And I was like, cool, I want to watch this. I'm like, ah, we'll get to it on the pod. But the movie is about a billionaire who puts together a crew of elites who all fake their own deaths to try and remove the current evil leader of Turkestan, um, fictional country Turkestan. Yeah. I've just, I've gone, yeah, six slash seven off the grid vigilantes <laughs> try to rid the world of evil. <laughs> That's it. That's the thing. I had no, I didn't know what this movie was about at all. No, me either. Uh, well, what what did you find out about it? What what do we know about how this arrived on Netflix? This big, big film. Yeah, there's a little bit here. I, I try and not go into too many details that aren't important. But look, basically, the crux of it is uh, March 2018 was when it was first formally reported that Michael Bay was going to direct this movie. Uh, it was based on a script by Paul Wernick and Rhett Reese. It was produced by David Ellison, Dana Goldberg, Don Granger, and Mike Bay himself. Um, so a couple of months later was when it was first reported that Netflix would actually distribute the film. Uh, and they intended at the time for this to be this new action franchise with Ryan Reynolds starring as, as the lead character in these movies. So principal production commenced on the 30th of July in 2018. Uh, they filmed basically, I think they filmed until the start of December. So it's a decent film. Um, they filmed in LA, Italy, Budapest, a lot in the UAE. I think they did like five different cities, 24 different locations in the UAE. They actually had the UAE military working with the crew. Uh, and at times they provided soldiers as extras, as well as an aircraft that appears in the film. Um, so it's, we're talking like five months almost of, of production um, or principal photography before it wrapped. And then it's, it eventually premiered at the Shed Arts Centre in New York City on the 10th of December, 2019. And that was only three days 
prior to it releasing digitally in Netflix and in, in limited theatres as well. Obviously, you can imagine this film looking pretty good in the cinema, so there's probably reason for them to be doing that. Had a budget of $150 million. And as of right now, um, it's the fourth most expensive Netflix original film ever. And that includes The Grey Man, which is out, basically. The Grey Man's out. Red Notice and The Irishman are the other two. Um, so that's that's how big that's how big this film is from a budget perspective. It's in the top 200 films ever in terms of a budget, the highest budget of <laughs> top 200 ever. We are talking, and I'm trying, there's obviously a lot of films made with $150 million. I'm trying to bring some more recent ones, so we're, we're comparing apples with apples. I did chuck in Transformers there because it is another Michael Bay movie, but Wonder Woman, a couple of the Harry Potter movies, Matrix Reloaded, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, Thor The Dark World, Dunkirk, which is a big budget Christopher Nolan movie, Ready Player One, which is, I'm surprised the budget wasn't bigger than that, Space Jam A New Legacy. These are all big budget movies. <laughs> and this, this is what Six Underground is on is on par with. So after the, the, the film obviously released and uh, about a month or two later, Netflix announced that the film had been viewed by over 83 million viewers on its service in the first month of release. We know Netflix like to pump their chest with that kind of stuff. So um, that all happened. But then five days after it released, only five days after it released, it got obviously some mixed reviews and the plans for a sequel were basically put in doubt immediately. And then on July in 2021, Netflix's uh, film chief, Scott Stuber, confirmed that the film would not be getting a sequel despite its success, what they call a success. He considered the film to actually be a failure, as in from a um, creative perspective. He, he says, we didn't feel like it got there creatively. It was a nice hit, but at the end of the day, we didn't feel like we nailed the mark to justify coming back. There just wasn't enough deep love for the characters of this world. So any chance of, of, a, of a franchise off the back of this seems to be doomed. But that is Six Underground. It was uh, so well put together, all in such great order too. Loved it. Uh, <laughs> I, the only other thing I'll add in here, the, the fictional country of uh, Turkestan, which is sort of mentioned uh, in your, your fast flicks, I guess it's obviously, so it's not real, but it is sort of based a little bit off um, the real country of uh, Turkmenistan, which is an Islamic Republic. Uh, and when the film came out, it's sort of the behind North Korea, the sort of the most secretive sort of location mm. um, and been ruled by a dictator since the fall of the USSR back in 1991. So not a lot right. known of what goes on in that country, very similar to what we see in North Korea. So very interesting that, um, you know, that's where the inspiration for these, these characters took place. They didn't try too hard to change the name, I guess. Nah. <laughs> took a few letters, added G, we're all good. <laughs> it was nominated for 13 awards altogether. It won two of those 13. Um, right. So one of the nominations was that, the Golden Trailer Award, which we often see. Uh, uh, yes, Netflix loves nominating their films for that. Yeah, most of the other awards were for stunt performances. So it actually won two awards for, for stunts, which if you've seen the film, you can probably Fair understand enough. why. Um, there's some, some good stuff in this. The tagline for this one. Did you see the tagline? I did. I did. I can't remember it, but I did see it. And I Good. can't even remember my reaction to it. So remind me. Good. So it is, they say no one can save the world. Meet no one. Which I think is quite clever. Oh. Very clever. <laughs> I, I don't, don't mind, mind it, it as well. Because <laughs> it, it fits in with, with what they're trying to do. They're not trying to be a super serious film. So that's fine. And it all, like the character one, like in that, they've repeated his name in that both sentences too, like clever, clever, clever for me. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
translations across the world. So not a, not a lot of uh, deviation here, but so Portuguese, it's called Squad Six. Spanish, it's Six in the Shadow. So a lot of like obviously keeping the, the idea of these six sure. main crew in there. Croatia, it's called the Phantom Six. Lithuania, Secret Six. Russia, Go Six. Serbia, Six mm. Rogue Agents. In Taiwan, <laughs> this is where we start to change things up a bit. It's called Ghost Strike, Fighting Violence with Violence. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it. It sounds like a video game. Yeah. With uh, In the Ukraine, it was called Six Feet Underground. And in Vietnam, it was called Six Underground, The War of the Underworld. To me, that sounds like a supernatural kind of that. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> anyway, yeah. Interesting. I, I like the title, Six Underground. I think it's a good title. Once you watch the movie and you realize what it's about, yeah. I think it's, I'm, I'm happy with that title. Me too. Well, let's talk about what people have been saying. What are the critics and audiences saying about this film? What are they saying? So it on IMDb, it has 172,000 ratings. That's really high. So I guess when Netflix calls it a success, it's because it got eyeballs, right? And um, you'd be pretty annoyed if you're spending $150 million on a Michael Bay movie with Ryan Reynolds and you weren't getting eyeballs. But it's at a pretty respectable 6.1 out of 10. Um, that's not bad. That's 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 considering they basically talk about how they had to can any sequels because it didn't work. (laughs) That's not a bad number. Number. Uh, Letterboxd, didn't love it as much. Two and a half out of five. Um, 82,000, nearly 83,000 ratings there. So still good numbers. Two and a half is not a great score, but it's not a horrible score. So it's, you know, we, we, yeah, it's kind of hard. Like, I think it's, there's people that will just flat out like this movie because of, it just gives them what they want. So um, yeah. Yeah, I can see what they're saying by creatively it was a flop, but, you know, people still kind of like it a little bit. Okay, and, and you know, when you've got 83,000 ratings on Letterboxd, you're going to have a very mixed bag, especially with mm. the, the clientele on there as well. So, yeah, I don't think that's too bad. Rotten Tomatoes, uh, the critics have got it at 36%. That's on 97 reviews, so it's a rotten. And the audience <laughs> had it at 60%. So a lot, lot higher. And also... Almost the most I think we've seen from an audience on Rotten Tomatoes. Over two and a half thousand people. That's pretty high. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. Yeah. Critics don't like Michael Bay in general. Yeah. Uh, they just don't like the fact that this is a guy that gets big budgets and doesn't do much more than big action sequences. But there's there's a so there's just suck there's a place for it. And that's why people keep giving him giving him jobs. Exactly. Well, what are your early thoughts on this one? Man, like the first 20 minutes of this film was so good. I, I was I was so into this film at the start. That opening sequence was electric. I, I thought this is going to be a cracker and it just kind of went nowhere. It it jumped from, from scene to scene. It kind of splashed back and forward through time to try and give you some details and some context. I feel like there was this weird inconsistent amount of narration uh, that Ryan Reynolds had, which I wasn't sure if this was like a movie that was being narrated or not, but then sometimes it was. It was strange. And I just got really lost in the whole thing. I, I felt like the big and exciting action scenes were the priority and any sort of plausible plot was just going to get in the way of the action. So that just didn't bother with it. And it was, yeah, it was it was tough to figure out what the hell was going on and why they were doing stuff. Yeah, fair. I, I kind of agree. I I like, but I, I was into this. Like the action just like hooked me, like you mentioned from the start. And I, I, maybe it was part of me just sitting there waiting for each new action sequence because mm. every time there was one, man, I was like enthralled. Like right. I was really, really enjoyed it. But yeah, as you said, the plot's rubbish. 
has his most of dialogue. <laughs> but it was fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I guess that's that's what you sign up for to an extent. Yeah, good. Well, the characters in this, are, they've got very original names. We've got one through to seven. <laughs> let's, let's do it. <laughs> I'm annoyed because there was a scene where they all said their real names and IMDb decided not to put them <laughs> in the list. I can't actually remember any of their real names. I'm pretty sure number four was called Billy or something. I don't know. But either way, when he said his name, I was like, okay, I, that, you look like it. Anyway, number one, Ryan Reynolds. Oh, look. I just feel like this film left me with more questions about this character than answers. And I guess they did want to have a bit of a franchise and things like that, but there was just a massive gap in this character that was never really filled. And I, I was pretty annoyed about that. Um, it's funny because he had the whole Ryan Reynolds charm, but I didn't really like him. And I think that's rare because I do generally like Ryan Reynolds and to have him as a main protagonist, we are not, overly rooting for him I mean, you are because you are but like I, I could care less about how well he does in all this and whether he gets what he wants um but yeah in general he's a smart dude he's a tech billionaire he's he's been motivated to, to save the little guy in these life-threatening missions that no one else would seemingly undertake um but not doing it for fame or notoriety just because it's the right thing to do he's just like a classic robin hood type i guess but yeah i, I just there's just so much about him that i didn't get the answers that I wanted or didn't just don't understand. I don't know why he does and his backstory. I just don't know. It's not there. Yeah. And I reckon that'd be fine if they just left that whole backstory out, but they dropped bits in between where it's like, you know, where he had conversations, I think it was with seven and he's like, you know, I know there's some heart in you there somewhere sort of thing. And then there's no sort of follow up with why yep. he believes that or why that's there. So yeah, I, I'm starting to get really frustrated with, the typecasting of Ryan Reynolds. I feel like he, at the moment, he's just playing that same character in every oh, single thing that he does. Um, and, you know, it's that humorous sort of smart ass, smart aleck character. And and that that's all we really got in this film, apart from, you know, obviously he's loaded with cash. Um, he's, I get, you've got to call him the leader because he's the one that keeps the crew together and yes. wants to focus on the um, making sure that their identities are kept a, a secret. Um, and he has an obsession with magnets. So, I mean, what else, what else can you say about about this character? Um, and we'll probably talk about the end a bit later on. But, um, yeah, they definitely wanted to leave stuff for yeah. future future films. The thing that got me the most with it, and there's lots of stuff with his backstory about, I guess, like love interests and potentially children and things like that. But when he, like, fights a guy and one of them says to him, like, hey, where did you learn those skills? And you're like, ah, we'll, we'll, we'll find this out later. I'm looking forward to seeing how he was trained or whatever. And it's just nothing. It doesn't, isn't answered at all. Like, I, I feel like they could have given us something there. Very true. All right, number two. What have you number got to two. say about number two? <laughs> I felt a little bit misguided by her, and that could just be me, but I got the feeling that she wasn't, um, this is the relationship she had with number three. I got the feeling she wasn't really into him, but just hooked up with him because, you know, they were kind of isolated and, you know, it worked. But then it seemed like she always was into him, but was just like fighting these emotions. And, and and similarly, I kind of, I kind of missed her motive too. I'm sure it was there maybe at the start in her backstory, but uh, I don't know why she was part of the mission. Whether she was, um, you know, whether she couldn't do what she wanted to do when she was in the CIA, whatever she was in. I just wasn't that interested in her and and understanding. I, I feel like I just wasn't given enough information, so I wasn't interested. But she was a no nonsense, battled hardened elite killer with. Not a lot of personality. Yeah, apart from one and seven, the bookends, everything that's in between, it's very hard to work out any <laughs> motivation as to, to what the reason is because, yeah, like 
apart from like her backstory seemed didn't actually tell us it just showed oh, she's a badass killer that <laughs> she's really good at it yeah <laughs> and she wants the the worst person to be left for her and that's it and she just walks oh. through the day it's crazy um but yeah the, this i guess it's hard not to talk about three here as well because they're pretty tied closely together especially with three's um sort of the only one that we know of that breaks the rules with with keeping his identity secret and and you know that sort of links back to you know he can't give his mother up and they sort of build that connection in that you know he wants to to meet his mother and in the middle of a battle scene and things like that so um and i found it interesting too that there's there's no consequences for those two in you know openly catching up with someone that they know apart from a a short little threat from number one in the backseat of a car for number three that's it and in a movie like this, when your identity is such an important thing, I think it's probably needed some sort of, um, you know, you, you expect some consequence of someone recognizing them or picking up on who they are. Yeah, and that yeah. adds more tension to the film and the characters and their mission. Whereas it was like, nah, we'll threaten you. You're not going to do it again. Cool. But we do it again. And there's no consequences. So it's all good. That's a good point. It would have been so easy to put that in. That somebody yeah. saw him, recognized him and thought, that's actually so-and-so who said he was dead. Yeah. yeah. He, um, I feel like we got a little bit more with number three. Uh, because they showed that side of him struggling yeah. to walk away from the, um, you know, the faking your own death stuff because there's a human side to him because of this. But then they have that flashback of him murdering this single dad with a daughter that you assume is a defining point for him probably leading him to this crew. But then you don't feel any sympathy for him because he still just basically kills anyone that he's asked to kill. So I don't really know why they showed that scene because it didn't change him. It's, it's the backstories for both two and three. They didn't add anything or explain anything. It's okay, just like, cool. cool. They're, bad. They're, they're people that are used to violence, so they're happy to yeah. continue with violence. Yeah, okay, good. I'm glad we're clear. Well, number, number leading into number four too, the, the parkour sort of dude. <laughs> Some pretty good skills, but I guess the, yeah. the same thing for him was he was a thief. He was a jewel thief, and he got bought in based on his ability to to run around and jump through things and run away, and that that's it. Like, what else do we yeah. know about this guy? I mean, he was a comic relief a little bit. That's that's important. Um, I don't know. He was somewhat desperate, misunderstood. I get the feeling he he doesn't often put himself first as much as being a thief is a selfish thing. The the risk of what he does is always worth putting his life in danger. It seems, um, and it also seems like he is a hell of a team player. Like he did tend to sacrifice himself quite a bit, and just thought ah. I'm done here. You guys go, which is admirable, but it is also there's something going on there about how much he cares about himself, which uh, could have been unlocked in future films, I guess. True. Uh, number five, the doctor <laughs> removed a bullet from a body at um, high speed in a car, and that's all I know. Yeah, she's a she's a beautiful lady who's a doctor. That's that's my notes. I don't know anything. Nothing else about her. <laughs> and the same with the driver number six just a bit of a cameo really <laughs> that's all it was, uh, that was yeah that was clever and he was funny and again he was playing dave franco basically <laughs> yeah true uh and then we, we finish off with uh number seven the the newest recruit i guess who's uh gives you get a bit of context as to his background story and it's all sort of summed up through his trauma of being a, a soldier being a, a veteran um not being allowed to pull the trigger on a a certain incident where he could have saved a lot of lives and and that sort of being his uh, flow through in this in that he's always going to be the one that wants to pull the trigger if he needs to make that call. I feel like the inclusion of him into this group was supposed to feel more symbolic though because he had that ability to try and humanise 
them all and he wanted to know their names. He wanted them to act as teammates, not just like uh, being dispensable on every mission. But I just think that fell a little bit flat. I didn't really feel that. It was forced and didn't really work. Because what I found strange about him is that he didn't seem to buy into the anonymity of it or even the ability to, to move on completely from your past life. And I know that was kind of like the crux of this story in general, but he literally had just made this decision. <laughs> like clearly he wasn't ready for it. Like enormous decision to make. Hey man, do you want to like come help fight with us? By the way, you got to fake your death and just cut ties with everything in your life. And he's like, you know what? I will do that. And then like a week later, he's like, this is ridiculous. We can't be doing this. It's like, you just did it. Like you should be the most ready to give it a go. Yeah. So I, I just think that didn't work too well either. Yeah. Fair. Um, that sort of just leaves us with the, the villain and his brother who are the complete opposites of each other. Um, Rovach <laughs> and Murat. And Rovach is like just your typical tyrant who doesn't care about his people, uses chemical attacks. Um, and I didn't get any context as to why he had such hatred towards yeah. his people. <laughs> that's, that's about it. He was, he was too evil, right? Like a yeah. bad guy who knows he's bad and just keeps being bad for the sake of being bad. It doesn't work these days. It's just too easy to write that villain in. Like, we've got this bad guy, and you know what? He's really bad, so we've got to He's stop bad. him. You, yeah. you need more than that. I think audiences have moved beyond that. Yeah, and, like, you know, if you've got a, a guy who's willing to gas his, his own people, like, how, like without any reason behind why he's doing it, you're not going to really believe the the villainous of it. Like, you know that he's going to get taken down eventually. There's no, there's yeah. no question at all that he was going to succeed in this film. Yep. No, I agree. And as, like Thanos has changed the world on villains. Thanos had a very clear mind about what he wanted to do. And whilst people disagreed with what he wanted to do, he had justification for it. And like you need a villain needs to have that quality now. I think that um yeah, I, I might be doing the wrong thing. In my head, I'm not the bad guy. And and that's that's really important and it's hard to do. This is so easy to do. Hey guys, we need a villain. Oh yeah, this guy. Yeah. How do we know he's a villain? Oh, he does all these things. It's like, oh, well, it doesn't matter why he does it. We've got to stop him. Stop it's it. just lazy. True. Uh, I haven't got any other characters. No, I think we've done pretty well there. Uh, Michael Bay. Let's talk about the director. Um, everyone knows Michael Bay, so it's it's not hard to, to discuss him. I went on IMDb to see what his top four, you know, your top four recognized mm. pieces are. Did you, did you see these? I didn't, but <laughs> I have to assume that Transformers gets a... It's a good so run. Out, out of his top four, yeah, three of them are Transformers. <laughs> yeah. I was just so the his number one is Armageddon, and then you've oh, got yeah, Transformers: Age of Extinction, then Revenge, and then your first Transformers. That, that there is top four recognizable pieces, which I thought was interesting. Well, I think um, that's kind of the main stuff he's done because he did like did he do Bad Boys? Yeah, Bad Boys one and two as well. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, yeah. I, I, and really for me, I, I just couldn't believe that there's, I didn't realize there's actually five Transformers movies plus the Bumblebee film. Like, I, yeah. I thought maybe the, off the top of my head, like three. Um, but yeah, there's like six Transformers ones with another one coming. Transformers, Transformers came out when I was like 18. So old enough not to just like fanboy into things. And I absolutely fanboyed into it when it came out because I watched the cartoon as a kid. I loved that movie when it came out. I was so into it. So I, I've, probably seen all the Transformer films and they get progressively worse and weirdly they get longer and they get harder to watch but when the next one comes out I'll watch it again I absolutely hated the first one so I didn't watch anything like oh no yeah. oh, I love the first one man I'm an optimist had, prime man from way back and I you know was into Transformers when I was younger too but yeah just did not enjoy that so that was uh, this franchise done for me 
Oh no. Well, that's probably a lot of Michael Bay done for you. Like you didn't get to see a lot of Michael Bay stuff. Well, Ambulance is his most recent film was great. Like highly recommend yeah, Ambulance. Says so, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Great. Uh, Did it have a story though? It was like uh, it's going into much into it's, it. it's like action. It's it's like this. It's you know, you talk about closing the streets across Italy in ambulance, he does the same in during the pandemic in LA. So he's got free reign over the whole of LA and the streets. It's it's great. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Oh, good. All right, let's talk about some scenes. Yeah. Go for it. What I've got, like? I've got one scene which is basically the first 20 minutes of the film. I thought the whole opening chase was fantastic. That the tone that it set, the banter that they were having between themselves, there's that arrogance to them, there's charisma in it. And I'm just like, this is a movie that I want to watch. And I think specifically within that 20 minutes, there's this awesome shot where Dave Franco spins the car 180 degrees and ends up side by side with his moving truck. And then the truck takes out the bad guys. That was just so cool. <laughs> and then they've got the humor stuff with like the nuns and then like the, all the babies and then the puppies in slow motion, the mum getting hit by a pigeon. When you put on Spice Girls, like everything about it was fantastic. And also... When they killed off Dave Franco, I thought that was awesome. I think it was so clever. I'm watching this film. I told you I knew nothing about it. And then I'm like, oh, Dave Franco's in this film. I didn't know Dave Franco was. That's great. I like Dave Franco. But to have the balls to kill him off, I love that too. I think it's brilliant. It was such a good opening 20 minutes. And I guess that's because there wasn't a lot of story in the opening 20 minutes. Because when we, all right, we got to settle down and put a story in here. That's when it lost me. But that's, yeah, that's the stuff that I liked. It didn't, it just went so downhill from there. Yeah, the... I'm exactly the same. I've literally got most of the stuff you said. The first 15 minutes in Florence, Italy, the the nuns, you know, like you mentioned, like the bikes, the mums, the babies, the puppies, the poles flying from the buildings and going straight through car windows, um, the detached eyeball. <laughs> just, just yeah. like <laughs> and you add a bit of Spice Girls in there. You, you've got me on board too. And I just thought, you know, that was nonstop for 20 minutes and it was just, great it was like you just was wanted great. to see that it was great um and then for me like continuing on like mainly for me just each of those scenes where there was some kind of heist was great like the vegas hotel um the killing scene i thought was um i just thought it was cool the disguises coming in cleaning people up that was cool <laughs> the hong kong kidnapping where they they kidnap um murat like you've got the mm. the cranes and the the pool with the water going everywhere, just adding that extra element of surprise and, and people trying to navigate those situations. The laughing gas gave a bit of humor to it as well. And there's some good movie references in there too, especially when they drop the that THX um, sound, like the, the surround sound sort of. Yeah. I was like, no, that was great. Um, and then Ryan Reynolds quotes Eminem in the car when he starts. <laughs> that, that, that was good. <laughs> and then finally the boat as well, the boat scene with the magnets, like, what a cool way to do an action scene. Like people just flying across the boat and in the kitchen, the knives, like, yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. Like the action. Was that cool. was also good when, when Ryan Reynolds' character was just like, I, I honestly didn't know this was going to work or not. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. All right. Um, what are some things that you didn't like? Well, I didn't like the whole Vegas scene. Firstly, because I actually never understood what the hell they were doing there. And all of a sudden, I just felt like we we're just in Vegas and they're just killing people. And I'm like, what, what's going on? Who are these people? I know they, they mentioned the four generals earlier on, but just it just jumped that scene without much context. And then I just, I, I found the whole thing kind of weird. Um, so I, I, didn't, I, I do have to. I did, yeah, like yeah. The, I did like the that part, but the follow on, especially when uh, two and three got together, like that was just, 
yeah. Out of, yeah, I didn't like that part. Yeah, I was also assuming they were going to get caught by doing that, and they just didn't. So um, they could have put that in somewhere else. So there was a scene or a piece of <laughs> there was there was a bit in the high scene in Hong Kong where uh, number seven is obviously on the sniper and things are going really bad, and he's like talking about the fact that he's got this bad idea, and he talked like, for like a minute. Hey guys, I've got a bad idea. Uh, what's your? It's not a very good idea. I'm gonna have to improvise. And he talks about like for like a minute that it's a bad idea without actually just being like, "So I'm gonna shoot a hole in the pool. You ready for me to shoot a hole in the pool? So you move away here. You may-. He doesn't say what he's doing. What, what an asshole! I thought it was just ridiculous. He didn't tell them, but he spent all this time talking about it. Uh, so that's terrible. I hated it. That was so bad. I had like I thought it was cool when he shot the pool and all that kind of stuff. But what a terrible setup. It could have been like, guys, I got a really bad idea. Sorry. But he just like, kept talking. So, um, and the other thing that I've got is a scene I didn't like was just the, the really weird ending. Um, very much set up for a sequel. And, and you kind of can forgive that to some extent. But like when I think it was uh, four and five, like we're just like rock climbing together. I didn't actually know that they were close. <laughs> they seemed to have some sort of romantic attachment. And they're just kind of like walking away really like um, unfulfilled to like the plane. By the way, that jet is actually Michael Bay's private jet that they that they flew around. <laughs> um, walking to the plane and like, I'm like, oh, nothing's like, we haven't answered anything. They're just like nicking off and I don't know what, like, oh, it was a very strange ending. It was like, yeah, I think they probably just were like, cool, we need to add number five in again somewhere because we haven't seen her since the opening scene. So, <laughs> were they meant to be like together, those two? I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Um, yeah, <laughs> so, the only real like there was a scene, um, it was like literally just after six dies at the start, and they started talking about, you know, we're all family, we're all family. And I was like, I was worried because I'm like, this is going like Fast and Furious because that literally that's every second line in the Fast and Furious film is, you know, we're all family. This is not Fast and Furious. So that really annoyed me. Um, that's all I've got. <laughs> no, I've only, I saw Fast and Furious 1 and 2. I've never seen any others. Oh, okay. Oh, well, family's a big theme moving forward. I do hear that. I feel, I hear that mocked. That's like mocked everywhere. <laughs> yeah. That's why it was cringy for me. Very cringy. Um, uh, fair enough. Themes, ideas. What would this one say? <laughs> I, I try to really think about this. I can only really come up with two main themes and ideas because action sequences isn't a theme. Um, but the idea of doing what's wrong and, and pushing through all the bullshit, all the politics that stands in the way to do what's right. Obviously, there's reasons why no one else is stepping in to, to stop this dictator. So take it into your own hands because I don't care what's stopping me from doing it. I'm just going to go and do it. And... I hate to say it, but the idea of family is definitely touched on and what makes a family and what makes that connection. I think number one obviously tried to resist that and then number seven kind of brought that notion in and you sort of get the feeling that by the end of it, they do feel like a bit of a family. So, But not they're, they're not strong themes. You don't walk out of this thinking that you've learned a lot about life. No, not at all. They're simply like righting wrongs, you know, ridding the world of evil and, and, you know, justice for those that are doing the wrong thing. So I think there was that line where they spoke about little little things or little actions can can add up to big things. So, you know, these the little actions of these people are, are leading to change. Um, and also the idea, like, you know, the freedom to do what you want, as long as you've got money, though. Like, if, if, yes. you don't have number, if you don't have number one funding them, you don't have the freedom to do what you're doing. But um, if you do, good on you. 
Is he entirely based in cash? Because how is he sort of taking money out if he hasn't got an identity? I don't know. Don't know either. And by the end, the end of the film, apparently all his money sort of in a, a vault through through Sun anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, geez, that was weird. It was weird, yeah. All right. Well, what did you take away from this one? I took away the idea that action sequences can't carry a movie, at least, at least for me anyway, um, because the story development in this was just an afterthought. And I think when people probably raised red flags on it, they were just like, who cares? The story progresses enough for us to have these action scenes. We're going to keep doing it. And, and that, that's cool to look at and kind of enjoyable. But even when you want to switch your brain off, I kind of needed something more because I got lost in the story because it just wasn't clear and it wasn't a difficult story to follow. It was just jerky the way that it was edited. Yeah, that's fair. Um, first, I've got a couple. So we've said this before, though. Like you've got the, the poor brown people needing to be saved by the rich Westerners again. And it's a hard thing to, you know, to, to do right. And it wasn't like necessarily a really negative thing in this. But again, it's, it's, it's that idea that, you know, the last... 20 years since September 11, who are, who are the villains in the films that we, that we watch, um, especially big budgeted American war films. Um, so yeah, it's just an interesting thing to sort of like think about um, how do we change that? And who know, you know, the next five years, maybe the, the Russians are going to be the villains again um, in what we see. Well, they forward. are in Marvel movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, <laughs> the Muse, Muse, the, the band, they got a good workout in this film. They had heaps of songs. Um, and I was just like, as the, the film was going, I was like, more muse, more muse, there's more muse. It was just uh, interesting. I've seen them like three times. So the music's very Probably where the budget went as well. And as well, yeah. Um, and last thing, this movie was like over two hours. It was literally like under two minutes of credits. I don't think I've ever seen a movie I noticed long. That. I thought the same credits. thing. It's crazy. It's crazy. But especially a movie this expensive and this yeah. big and this many action sequences, I thought it must have been like, Every man and his dog working on it. I, that was. I, I'm glad that you brought that yeah. up because I thought the exact Crazy. same thing. Yeah, like surely, like you'd have two minutes just of special effects. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you go into IMDb to look anyone up? I did. I jumped on for number two, Melanie Laurent, and one of those faces of like I know there's going to be a ton of films that I've seen you in, but I just can't quite put my finger on it. And there was a ton of things that I've seen her in. She is in Inglorious Bastards. She's in a French film called Paris from 2008, which is a very nice film. And she's also in Now You See Me. She's, uh, I think, the detective that works with Mark Ruffalo in Now You See Me. So, yeah, I knew that'd be, I could just couldn't, I couldn't figure out who she was, but there you go. Good. I, I you? did not go on. Um, so, question time. Have you got any questions that you'd like to ask? I'm very curious, Jesse, how many incredible drivers are there in like the police force that, like, Dave Franco had to outrun about 45 different cars and they all just kept coming from nowhere. Do you think they just all just sitting cars ready to go for something like this to happen and then they're off and that's what they do their one day, one day every 10 years or something? Possibly. And the mafia, they must do really good uh, drivers course. as well. Yeah. Like, and how many people do they have in the mafia in that little um, segment? <laughs> they just, they just they, kept they, coming. Yeah. And just dropped everything they were doing for the day to, to jump in on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good and they were so talented. <laughs> they were. <laughs> and you, did you see they, so instead, they wanted to film in Rome, but the, the streets in Rome are too bumpy. So that's why they moved to Florence instead. Too many, too many potholes. Yeah. yeah crazy. Um, I, so did you expect, so we have this scene where uh, one is in the, at the opera and he sort of picks up the, the waitress or the bartender. Oh, yep, yep. And yeah, did you expect to like see her again at some stage? Um, like them, yeah, probably. 
yeah. Probably. Definitely, like, yeah, I think that was probably one of the things, though, that I was disappointed in with not understanding more of the backstory and things like that. I, I, I actually don't even know what timeline that was in when he met her. Like, that was, I was very confused by all that. Because yeah. at the end, everyone else has sort of got someone else they're hanging out with and they've just left him as isolated, obviously, curving on his son. Um, but they could have had that connection with him and left the son thing out. But also, like, the connection with the girl, was that, like, a long-term thing that he had to leave her? I'm just, I, there's just, did I miss something? Like, was that, like, five years earlier that he met at the opera? Like, I'm just, I'm really confused. I think it was, yeah, like, 2017, was it, I think? I don't know. Yeah, the right. timeline switched so much that it was hard to, to keep track. Very confusing. And I guess maybe the next film was going to be all about his backstory, but, yeah, you yeah. missed the chance. Any other questions? That was all. All right. We're ready to wrap this one up where we give a rating out of five for average. What's your final thoughts for this one? Yeah. Look, as I've said, after such a strong opening, the film really just fell off a cliff for me. It was way too disjointed in trying to string together the the story elements or lack thereof. Um, It had no real desire to create characters with any depth or coherent backstories um, its focus really was just on the big action sets. And, and with that said, the action scenes are, were really fun and that vibrant and cheeky tone generally worked. And if you don't want to dig too deep, there's still something there to enjoy. But I got to have to give it two and a half stars. I did toy with the idea of giving it three. And after watching it, I probably thought it felt like a three. And after thinking about it, I was like, nah, I'm sorry. Like, you didn't, didn't hit the mark. It's okay. It's a good apology. I like it. Um, yeah, Michael Bay would understand that apology. He would. I think he would too. Uh, yeah, I mean, you don't watch this kind of film, I guess, really expecting any character development, um, any meaningful dialogue or emotional connections. So, it's about the action. It's about the explosions. And I was into that. <laughs> I was, these set pieces were really, really impressive for me. Um, I'm getting a three and a half just to get it to a three average for us since I think it deserves a three at least. (laughs) The character development, the story stuff, they're nice to have, you know, they're not must haves. (laughs) (laughs) That was fun. That was, that was really good fun. Uh, We're we're at socials, got Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, just want to ask, like, would you have watched the sequel if they made it? Because I definitely would (laughs) have. If the sequel promised backstory, then, uh, (laughs) then I'd be too curious not to. As long as I had those big set pieces, oh, I'm in, I'm in. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, because Michael Bay is going to do a 90-minute yeah. drama about relationships. and. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, as we sort of mentioned at the start of the show, we've, we've got a bit of a special one next week where we're going to do a bit of a draft um, of the first 200 episodes from Netflix. So we're going to try to put together a list of our best uh, Netflix original films in category sort of order and try and come up with a list each of 10 films to um, see who's got the best list. I like the idea of this. My lineup is going to be really hot. I, I'm pumped. I'm so pumped for this, Jesse. I can't wait. I'm, I've already, like, the strategies in my head about what to do. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to, how to attack it. I'm trying to think how you would think. That's yeah. that's what I have to do. I need to figure out what you're going to be doing. It's it's there's going to be a lot at stake. I think so too, and I, I'm glad you're trying to think how I'm thinking because I still haven't worked it out. So this is, this is, this is... <laughs> nah, these are mind games, man. You you you're getting me all confused. I, yeah, well, I, I think I know. I think I believe I know where you're going to go with, but it all depends <laughs> who gets the first pick too. We'll have to work out a that's fair way true. of working that out. 
we should ask social ask our ask our people how we should decide our first pick good should it be a coin toss should it be a random generator what should it be i don't know I anyway don't know. let's i'm looking let's for i'm really out. looking forward to this we'll find out next Great week so uh, give us a listen next week to hear that and thanks as always mj it's been good thanks mate i'm glad uh we got to chat through that one that's good all right we'll see you next week looking forward to it <laughs>